0: Welcome to On The Way, this is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is March 19, and our chapter reading for today is the last chapter of the book of Ruth, Ruth chapter 4. Let's get right into the text because there is much to say and little time to say it. The scripture says that after Naomi had said to Ruth, you just wait right here and it will not be long. Boaz is a businessman and he will follow through on what he told you he would do. And indeed, that's exactly what he did. You see, Boaz didn't get to where he was by being complacent and being lazy and being late with things. Now, listen, let me say just a word about laziness and late. If you are habitually late, you, ma'am, you, sir, you, son, you, daughter, are lazy. At the root of lateness and a lack of being prompt is laziness. You wait and wait and wait and you wait too late. You see, everyone can be late from time to time. But if you are habitually late, that is, you're always making an excuse. You got started late, something happened, you got a call at the last minute. Again, that happens to all of us. But if you're known by being late, it's already too late. You have a habit, and people don't like to do business with you. They don't want you to commit to anything because you're always late. They can never count on you. And being late habitually is really a lack of integrity because you're not doing what you promised you would do. You say, well, oh, my goodness, you're shaming me. You're making me feel bad. No, 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 you've shamed yourself. And the only way out of this is the only way out of any type of behavior that is bad, and that is. Is repentance. You have to agree with God, confess it as sin, and the lack of integrity, and confess that to God, and form new habits. In other words, bring forth fruit that shows you have repented and start being on time. I don't care who you are, what you are. This is a lack of integrity, and so you see, Boaz had just the opposite reputation. You remember. What the last word that Naomi said in chapter three, then she said, this is verse 18 of chapter three. Then Naomi said, "Sit still, my daughter, until you know how the matter will turn out. Listen to this for the man will not rest until he has concluded the matter this day. He had a reputation of getting things done. Wouldn't you rather have a reputation of getting things done instead of being lazy and late? And so just a word of admonition for all of us. We have to watch bad habits and we cannot always be excusing them away. It's serious. People don't like it. Now Boaz went up to the gate, just as an elder would do in this city. Now Boaz went up to the gate and sat down there, and behold, the close relative of whom Boaz had spoken, that is, spoken to Ruth about, there in the threshing floor, he came by. So Boaz said, Come, just wait just a moment. Stop what you're doing. Come aside. Friends, sit down here. So he came aside, that is, he stopped at the gate, sat down, and he took 10 men of the elders of the city and said, sit down here. So they sat down. Then he said to the close relative, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab. Now, everybody knew who she was because Elimelech, remember his name was, my God is king. God is my king. So everyone knew his life. They knew about him going over to Moab and that he had died and the two sons had died. The whole story was known. You see, this is why they were sitting in the gate. Before we go on, let me just tell you how important the gate was. It was like the modern day beauty shop and barber shop and country store and hardware all rolled up into one. It was the place where the city elders came. Now, why would the city elders come there. Well, it was a central place to do business, that's for sure. But if you were sitting in the city gate, that's the way that anybody went into the city had to come. And so if they were from around there, you'd see who's doing business, who they're doing business with, how they are, and they would speak to one another and ask about everything. In other words, those men that were sitting there in the gate, they were all knowing, or at least they thought they were. But if there was news from another city, this is where you guys see this was a modern-day verbal newspaper. It was just like Twitter or Facebook. This is where it was all happening. And the word gate has a very, very close alignment to the word gossip in Hebrew. This is where it all got started at the gate. And this is where all the business was transacted. And so if you go to Israel with me, I'll show you uh, city gates. There is a wonderful city gate that dates back to the time of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, when he broke away in the northern kingdom and went to Dan. And set up a golden calf there. I can show you where the base of that altar is to this day in that high place. And I will show you the city gate. You'll see that it had a bench all the way around, a stone bench. And men would sit there and prop their back up against the wall of the city. And that's where they transacted business. And there's still a, a Bama there, a lifted place where the mayor, the king, or the ruler would be. And he would see everybody coming and going. So this is where this happens. Same thing happened with Lot back at Sodom, you'll recall. So this is where Abraham would have been at Mamre and so forth. And so it says, Naomi, you all know about that, has uh, come back, sold the piece of land which belonged to our brother Elimelech. In other words, she had sold that land. God didn't want his people losing everything and losing their inheritance. And so every seven years, you had the opportunity to be released from your debt. Every 50 years, all debt reverted back to its original owner, and it was forgiven, and it went back to the original family. And the reason is God did not want his people being in financial bondage from generation to generation, so no one could be more than 50 years. But seven years was the longest that you could hold a debt over someone in the sense of bondage for slavery. And by the way, this is still on uh, the books today. If you have bad credit. you have bankruptcy, they can't hold it over you more than seven years legally. So that has been the law of the land. Why? Because that comes right out of the Bible. And so the scripture says that he wanted to inform you saying, buy it back in the presence of the inhabitants and the elders of my people. This is what Boaz was speaking to this person who was a closer relative than he to Naomi. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not redeem it, then tell me that I may know, for there is no one but you to redeem it, and I am next after you. He said, You're the next in line. If you can do it, do it. If you want to do it, do it. Otherwise, I'm going to do it. He said, I will redeem it. I will redeem it. This is what this nearer kinsman said. Then Boaz said, On the day that you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you must also buy it from Ruth the Moabitus, the wife of the dead, to perpetuate the name of the dead through his inheritance. In other words, when you get Naomi now, you know that she's older, but you're going to get Ruth and you're going to need to marry her so that you can raise up a son in the place of her husband and a name after him as well so that his name will not be blotted out. And the close relative said, well, I cannot do it for myself lest I ruin my own inheritance. In other words, he probably already had a wife, maybe two, and he didn't want to get into it any more than what he was. I don't think we blame him. So you redeem my right of redemption for yourself, for I cannot redeem it. Now, he could because he said he would. But what he meant was I could not redeem it. In other words, that would get him in trouble in every sense of the word because he was already raising up something of his own land in his own name. Now, this was the custom in the former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging. Now, listen to this. To confirm anything, one man took off his sandal and gave it to another, and this was a confirmation in Israel. Therefore the close relatives said to Boaz, Buy it for yourself. So he, that is the close relative, this is verse 8, took off his sandal, and Boaz said to the elders of all the people, You are witnesses this day that I have bought all that was Elimelech's and all that was Chilion." And all that was Melchon from the hand of Naomi, moreover Ruth, the Moabitess, the widow of Melchon, I have acquired as my wife to perpetuate the name of the dead through his inheritance that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brethren and from his position at the gate. In other words, he would have a position at the gate even though he was dead because a son would be raised up to take his place of this relative. You are witnesses this day. Now, why would they take off a sandal? That's kind of odd to us. That would be like signing a contract. That would be like shaking hands. That would be like an exchange of documents. Why the sandal? Because the sandal was very important because it was on the foot. And the foot was very important because what that man was saying is, I have no more right to walk on that land as my own. It's yours, and if I get on it, I'll be trespassing unless you invite me because I have no claim to the land because I cannot walk on it. That's right. This is where trespassing comes in. And so what he was saying is exactly what God said to Abram. Now, remember what God said to Abraham. He said, Abraham, get up and walk the land, and everywhere that your foot treads, I will give it to you. You see, this is a glorified object lesson that God's given. Wherever you walk, that's what you get. Now, think about this. This is an eye-opener. What about Jericho? Why did they march around Jericho? Why did those footsteps go one day, two day, three day, four day, five days, six days, and then God gave it to them because then... Their footsteps were complete and God says, now I'm going to give it to you. And all you need to do is shout because the victory is yours. Blow the shofars because it's a new day. And that's what the shofar did. It would announce a new day, a new beginning, and that's what happened. And so this man was saying by taking off his sandal, I have no more right to walk on the land because now it's yours. And that's your land to walk on, not mine. And what that means is we need to be careful about walking on other people's property. It doesn't belong to us because where we walk is very important. It was more important in the olden days than it is now. So that is the mystery of the sandal exchange. And so this is exactly what happened. And all the people who were at the gate and the elders said, we are witnesses. They saw it all. They knew what it was. So a great exchange was made. And here's what they did. They blessed the exchange and they bless Boaz and this transaction. Here's what they said. The Lord make the woman who is coming to your house like Rachel and Leah. Now this is what we do on Shabbat services. We bless the women and say, may you be as Rachel and Leah. We bless the young ladies and the girls and say, may you be as Rachel and Leah. Why? Because they are the mothers of the tribes of Israel And as they were blessed, may indeed this young lady that is going to be Boaz's wife now be blessed. And that was a blessing indeed. And the two who built the house of Israel, Rachel and Leah, may you be like them. And may you prosper in Ephratah. Ephrat is a city that's just below Bethlehem today, just south toward Hebron. Why would they call it Ephrat? Because that is the land of Ephratah. And Bethlehem is a part of that. And may your name be famous in Bethlehem. Well, it is. If you go to Israel today, you will hear of Boaz and Ruth and the story. That's right. 3,000 years plus later, we're still telling the story. I think that blessing stuck. We're still talking about King David who came from this marriage. May your house be like the house of Perez whom Tamar bore to Judah. Now, this is amazing. You see, because not only were Rachel and Leah put up as an example, but a woman that had become a prostitute because Judah, the father of the son that she had married, did not cooperate and mistreated her, deceived her, didn't do what he was supposed to do, and God didn't like it, and she dressed up like a harlot. He didn't know who he was going into, and they bore a son named Perez and from that the line of Messiah came. So it was a fruitful line but here was a bad incident. What about Rahab? We've already seen her. What about Ruth? Ruth was a Moabitess. So does God use people outside even in the Tanakh that are not a part of the Jewish family? Of course he does. Many of David's mighty men were not Jews. They were Gentiles. I mean, one famous one had such integrity he had rather die and rather be in the battlefield than even have sex with his wife, which would have been a luxury. His name was Uriah, and he's not called Uriah the Jew. He was named because he was a foreigner, Uriah the Hittite. The Hittites were not Jewish people. They were not part of the Jewish family. They were foreigners, but yet here was a man of integrity. And so God God uses people who are not Jews to bless the Jews as the Jews bless them and so it says whom Tamar bore to Judah because the offspring which the Lord will give you from this young woman Boaz was an old man and he was being blessed to have this young woman Ruth was a young woman and she was blessed to have this old man let me tell you everybody in that area I'm sure call Ruth a gold digger thank God she was if that's what you want to call her because what she did she did with integrity you see when need to watch about judging people. And we need to watch about trying to set up standards about how many years there should be a part. If someone loves someone and they're committed to them and they're faithful to him and they both love Jesus, God bless them. Why do we have to Put people down. That's just not godly in any wise whatsoever. Verse 13, so Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. And when he went into her, yes, they had sex. An old man can still have sex with a young woman, a bride of his. Thank God they could because it says that the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, Hashem, the personal name of God, the covenant God of the Jews, who has not left you this day without a kinsman redeemer, a goel, a close relative. Listen to yesterday's podcast. And may his name be famous in Israel. Oh, my goodness, was it. And may he be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. And he was for your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is better to you than seven sons has borne him. Are you catching this? Blessing after blessing after blessing after blessing. Oh, I would love to spend just an hour talking to you about how the Bible appreciates it when we bless one another not curse one another, say blessings to one another. Are blessings important? God hears those blessings. And they are in many ways prophecies. And again, time is too short for me to talk about this, but look what the scripture says. Verse 16, then Naomi took the child and laid him on her bosom and became a nurse to him. That's right, she nursed him. Also, the neighbor women gave him a name, saying, There is one born to Naomi, and they named him Obed. Obed, he is the father of Jesse, the father of David. Now, this is the genealogy. And look at this. All of these, Perez, who was the son of Tamar and Judah, Perez begot Hezron, Hezron begot Ram, and Ram begot Amenadab, and Aminadab begot Nashon, and Nashon begot Salmon, and Salmon begot Boaz, and Boaz begot Obed, and Obed begot Jesse, and Jesse begot David. What a blessing. For On The Way, this is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On The Way with Tony Crisp.